This call is being recorded. This call, in fact, is being recorded. Um, I must be in Pittsburgh because I got a permani sandwich sitting in front of me that I won't be able to eat during the show unless FC talks a lot. Uh, this is your host, Bradshaw to Ben. This is your SteelerFury.com podcast for week five of the 2016 season. And uh, there was a football game played last Sunday night in Pittsburgh. It was pretty good. Uh, here to talk about it and uh, gloat about his prediction that probably would have come true if the Steelers actually hadn't gotten off to such a big lead. He is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. Uh, I do not have a permanent in front of me, but uh, <laughs> I can't complain. Yeah, well, you um, you predicted, a sh- what, 29 to nothing? Was that your prediction? Yes. Almost. You you know, I really do think if they hadn't gotten to such a big lead that that shutout might have remained intact a little longer because, man, Kansas City didn't look like a serious threat to score a touchdown for, you know, two-thirds of the game or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was, you know, the kind of performance I expected after uh, the team was outplayed at every level against the Eagles. It was, you know, it was pretty much what I expected. Uh, I I know uh, a lot of people were were very nervous heading into that game, but uh, I actually was not. Uh, I I believed in uh, Steelers superstars. You know, I believed, you know, in Ben and AB, and uh, I kind of had a feeling that uh, that Tomlin and, and Keith Butler would have the defense, you know, ready to play and you know breathing fire, and pretty much uh, that's what we got. You know, uh, you got to tip your hat to uh, Vince Williams. Played a phenomenal game. You know, uh, defense backs were solid. Made plays in space. Made tackles in space. Uh, Jordan Whitehead did a nice job filling in for uh, Robert Golden. You know, it was a concern, you know, for me, and I know it's a concern for you. Um, we both have uh, we've seen the upside and the potential that Robert Golden had since he came out of Arizona. Uh, Mike Mitchell is Mike Mitchell. You're going to, you know, you're going to get everything he has every game. Uh, Ross Cockrell played well. Um, Got to tip your hat to Jarvis Jones, you know, made some plays, you know, wasn't surprised. Uh, I don't think he's a natural pass rusher, you know, in the NFL, but I do feel that he has a role that he could, you know, be a decent two-down player. Um, He's never going to be a difference maker rushing the passer. He's not an explosive elite athlete. He's not very strong or powerful. Um, he struggles to be blocked. But, uh, you, you you know, the, the, the team was prepared, and uh, the team executed. And whenever they do those two things, they're going to be tough to beat. You know, if, it doesn't matter if it's New England or if it's, you know, a Cleveland Browns in the NFL. If you're not prepared, if you don't play smart, fundamentally sound football, you can lose. The other guys get paid, and there's a lot of talented players in, uh, in the NFL. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, hey, it's a week-to-week league, but more importantly, maybe in this context, it only takes a, a small, you know, a couple of bad plays and, and a small difference in your preparedness to play for one team to get, you know, for, the Steelers did in one week to get blown out by 30 or to win by 30. It doesn't seem like there's that, you know, things things went better for them, obviously, on Sunday night than they did the previous week in Philadelphia, but in a way, you know, it's not like, um, I don't know, it's not it's not impossible to, for that to happen on any given week for any team. It's funny, like, uh, you know, they just the rosters are, with the exception of a few teams on either end, 
pretty close to one another. But, um, you know, it just feels like Kansas City, not a bad team. And I don't think the Steelers were a bad team getting blown out the week before that either. They just didn't play well, right? Correct. I mean, it's it's a week-to-week league. I mean, you had two of the undefeated AFC teams fall last week. I don't think too many people seen the Raiders going into Baltimore and winning. I mean, it's not like Baltimore's a fierce team this year, but, I mean, still, you know, the West Coast team traveling to the East Coast, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's you, you got to be ready to play. And, uh, you know, the Steelers overcame seven, six or seven injuries last week. They may have to overcome seven or eight injuries this week. <laughs> you know, but next guy got to be ready to step up. Yeah, we're past next man up and we're into – Next man up for the next man up for the next man up, right? Sure. We're, we're at a point where, hey, uh, you know somebody that can play right tackle? <laughs> you know what I mean? You start asking people, you know, got a I clue, mean, anybody we should bring in? I mean, let's put it this way. It's it's a scary day when you have to start the game and you don't have any healthy backup linemen. Sure. But when you get to the point where you not only have no no backup linemen that are healthy, but you also don't have back, you know, a regular starters that are healthy. I mean, that's the scary part. They were having trouble at one point fielding five healthy starters, you know? Right. I went and investigated out and uh, to see what was out there. You know, whenever I heard hematoma to Ryan Harris, I'm thinking, all right, he's going to play. But the further we get along in the week and we're sitting here Thursday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm not certain he's going to play. No, that better be a real nasty hematoma. I'm not bad-mouthing Ryan Harris. I think he stepped in and did a very good job for Marcus Gilbert. Um, but – you know, uh, I, 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 hematoma could be, you know, very, very serious or not so serious. And I'm figuring it has to be something that's very, very serious because, you know, it looks like the Steelers are preparing to play with Chris Hubbard at right tackle, which is uh, not pretty. <laughs> not <thought>. ideal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You well, uh, we were a little worried about being shorthanded on the podcast this week, but uh, we actually have Steel Perch with us. How are you, Perch? I was the only one here on time. I got tired of waiting, so I hung up. Uh-uh, uh-uh, but I was here on time, too. As <laughs> I, I listened to the cake song five times on hold. <laughs> You're going, really so I'm not the only one going on. the distance. We're go, going for speed. <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm a fan of cake. I've seen them live four or five times in the 90s. Cool band. But, yeah, you don't need to hear their song 15 times over and over again. No. Uh, my, my apologies, Perch. I had a little... Uh, Delay beyond my control today, but uh, I do have a permani sandwich. Though you missed that part. So, Those things are everywhere now. Yeah, well, this one's in Pittsburgh, so it could be okay. worse. Um, so, Perch, um, you know, I guess the sum of what we just said was it's a week-to-week league, and the the difference between being blown out by thirty and winning by thirty is pretty slim. Um, you you, you want to add any other cliches? That's why we play the game. <laughs> Obviously. Do you think the Eagles are that good, or do you think the Kansas City Chiefs are that bad? Yes. <laughs> Combination of the two. No, I mean, I, you know, it's a matchup. The, the, the Chiefs blew the hell out of the uh, the Jets, you know, a few weeks ago, and the Jets looked like world beaters the week before that. It's like you said, it's a week to week league. Everybody's got talent and. You know, maybe coaches find schematically a way to take advantage of the other, the other team, and and the other guys aren't on their on the screws uh, to use a Tomlinism, and and uh, you just 
you get a perfect storm sometimes where you're coming off a big emotional game and you have a letdown the week after, or, you know, you got a number of injuries and you're depleted one week and these things happen. It's, you know, it, it, it's why nobody's since the 72 dolphins have gone uh, undefeated in the season. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not even sure it's like, I used to think matchups when we first started the show, I, I really was sold on the idea that the matchups were really the thing. And sometimes you just didn't match up very well against the team. And to a certain extent, I think that's true. But then you look at a week like last week where, you know, you have B.J. Finney, who has the potential maybe, you know, if you love B.J. Finney, he's had the potential to be a starter, so on and so forth. But he is, he's playing against Don Terry Poe, and he's moving him out of the pocket. Now, or out of the, out of the uh, hole. I, you know, I don't understand how Cox, Fletcher Cox, can totally dominate an all-pro like David DeCastro but a nobody, I'm sorry to say, but a nobody for now named B.J. Finney dominated Don Terry Poe. Like, how how does that happen week to week, FC? Um, <laughs> if I had that answer, I'd probably be coaching in the NFL. Um, the thing, Fletcher Cox is really, really, really good. Um, I think he might be, if not the most underrated player in the NFL, definitely has to be in the top five. Um and uh, he's the type of guy that's going to give David DeCastro fits because generally David DeCastro is either bigger, faster, more athletic, and or stronger than a guy. And I think Fletcher Cox might be bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic than David DeCastro. And that's not going to happen every week. You know, Don Terry Poe, you know, is bigger. And uh, I don't think he's as quick, especially with hand placement and and. In, in things of those regards. Fletcher Cox is also technically sound and has played in space before. He's he's just a freak. You know, there's not many of them, you know, running around the NFL. B.J. Finney came in ready to compete. He was fundamentally and technically sound. You know, he kept his balance. You know, he didn't get overexcited lunging. He didn't. He, he stayed in the moment, and he played smart football. And I you know, blasting on Mike Munchak. Somebody prepared the kid well. I'm going to figure, you know, Mike Munchak, Mike Munchak had something to do with it. And, uh, you know, he <laughs> he came out and he played. At the end of the day, it's all B.J. Finney. He's the guy that's, you know, taking on Don Terry Poe. He's the guy that's picking up, you know, the stunts. He's the guy, you know, that went out there and performed. And he was way above the line to go with uh, good old Coach Tomlin line. And uh, you never know what you're going to get in the NFL. You know, the Jets, front seven, if they're all healthy, this is going to be far and away this the best front defensive line they've played, even better than the Eagles. You know, if if they all play, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, the talent that the Jets are going to run at you, you know, uh, defensively. And yeah. it's going to be a big test again this week. Well, Perch, the thing is, it's a, you know, it's a, Bad injury. It's a bad week to have injuries on your offensive line. You know, they they the Jets. One thing they have is they're pretty solid all the way across. Four, uh, if I'm not mistaken, four first round draft picks. In fact, we think three of them are top ten draft picks. Um, yeah. um, I think there's just three first round picks. Who's the fourth? Leonard Williams and Mohammed Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson are all first round picks. Correct. I said, yeah, McClendon is undrafted. And, oh, I forgot uh, about no, and McClendon is. You're right. It wasn't him. Right. But yeah, three first rounders. Jarvis Jenkins would I was he, I think he was a second or third round pick so yeah 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 but, well at any rate they're pretty good and um, I don't know if you've seen Hubbard play 
Um, <laughs> and you know, and the thing about the thing about Hubbard is he actually looked pretty good last year in the regular season game that he played, um, where he he, he came in. I, I want to say he came in at guard, moved to right tackle, and then moved to left tackle for a few plays towards the end of the game. I know he, I know at least he played two positions, um, and he actually, you know, he wasn't a disaster. But I'm thinking that, you know, if he if we end up starting the game with with Hubbard at right tackle, it's going to limit the Steelers a little bit. What do you think? Well, a lot. I mean, let's face it, he was the number five tackle on the team. He probably wouldn't have made the roster if it wasn't for the uh, the rookie from LSU getting hurt. Um, he, you know, he was kind of a bubble player. Uh, is Ramon Foster, do we know if he's healthy? Is he going to play? I'd almost rather see him play this week. He practiced. I'd rather him see him put Ramon Foster. I mean, he was a, a pretty solid tackle at Tennessee in college, and, uh, you know, He's a lot better player than Hubbard. I think he'd definitely be a better tackle as well. So I, I don't know if that's even an option, but how I know many, they've practiced Pouncey out there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, how many pounds will go to Foster play tackle? That's that's all. My only question is because no, he was pretty fat in college too. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. Well, I'm a fat. When's the last time you remember seeing a 300-pound outside linebacker for a team other than for the Jets? Because Copels was 285. I don't yeah. know how many Steeler fans out there realize this, but Sheldon Richardson's playing outside linebacker for the New York Jets. Laren Williams starts at one end, Mo Wilkerson at the other end, and Steve McClendon's their nose tackle. They start Sheldon Richardson at outside linebacker at 300 pounds. Yeah, that's pretty tough. Yeah, but he's pretty much got his hand in the dirt more often than not. He's basically right, playing he's as kind of base the ends. He, he plays – I don't – He's even more upfield than Kevin Green was whenever, you know, in the Blitzburg days. But he will drop out maybe 10, 8, 10 plays a game. And we can say, well, that's just like zone blitz. But tight ends are expected to play and block him in the running game, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's, I mean, he's lying up on the outside, and generally he's playing right beside Leonard Williams, which is whew, hell on wheels to run at. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, Perch, I know we only have you for a little while, so let me just talk for a second about just before we finish, wrap up on last week. Um, what did you think? Would you find more impressive the, the offense's you know, success with their substitute players or the defense basically you know, stopping? I mean, you could make an argument that Alex Smith isn't that much worse than any of the other quarterbacks we face this year. Well, we, we just completely and utterly stopped what Kansas City was trying to do with, you know, missing some players. Crazy. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think probably the defense was a little bit more impressive, but uh, you get these some of these quarterbacks, and we're going to face another one this week that kind of limits what they can do. You know, I don't think uh, we're going to face a quarterback this week or Alex Smith last week that you're really that worried about the guy beating you deep down the field. If you can kind of take away some of their quick hitters and eliminate the yard after catch stuff, you can make those, you know, those offenses one dimensional. And the Steelers have done a really good job of stopping the run too. Uh, so if you have a quarterback who's really not going to be able to beat you deep, then you know it makes them one dimensional, and the defense can kind of get after them a little bit and bring a little pressure as, as they did last week. And you know when they get pressure, you know the the secondary plays even better too. Hey FC, were you as impressed with Artie Burns? as I am in terms of where he's come to already from where he started? I'm 
leery a little bit, and I'll explain why. Um, Boy, can he run. He can can chase a ball. I see some Trey Waynes in him where, meaning he is grabby, and he seems to be outside of his comfort zone when he's not being grabby. If he can realize that he has speed and he has length and he can mirror and he has the makeup speed to break on balls, I think he could be very good. I'm a little bit concerned. I understand he hasn't played a ton of corner with the track, and I understand he's raw, and I have a feeling he's going to take big steps forward. But I am as optimistic about Artie Burns as I've been for any Steeler draft pick in a long time. Let me put it that way. But I also have the classic trepidations where I'm concerned because he has to take the next step technique-wise. And that's going to be – that's not something that, you you know, that's athleticism. It's going to be sitting there and just working your craft. He should buddy up with Antonio Brown and just have A.V. try to break his ass down running routes. And, you know, Artie Burns need to, needs to realize that he needs the foot quickness. And after five yards, he got to get the hands in a little bit. But, yeah, I'm a big fan. So, Perch – Here's my prediction. My prediction, you can tell me if I'm crazy. My prediction is that when we, by the time we face the New England Patriots, that that job that Justin Gilbert was doing last week against Kelsey, that that'll be Artie Burns' job against Gronkowski. Like, or, uh, Gronkowski. To me, he's the only guy we have that can do that job against him. And it's sort of like the Cortez Allen role from a few years ago when we slowed down the Patriots that day. You think, I think that's kind of why they drafted Sean Davis too. Is that's yeah. basically that role? He's a hybrid player. They feel okay about him at safety. They feel okay about him at corner. When you get those big athletic tight ends, that's kind of what his role is. I think Burns is going to strictly be an outside guy. I don't think they're going to move him in inside and have him match up with tight ends where he's you know the the weakness in his game right now is physicality. He's not a great tackler. He's not, you know, that great at jamming guys at the line just yet. He is a, he is an outstanding athlete. He can run, and, and he's got some natural cover skills. I think he'll be exclusively, you know, he's Ike Taylor. He's going to be the long, lean, speedy guy on the outside that's going to cover, you know, your your ex-receiver. Well, but the thing is, here's my argument. My argument is that New, New England is basically an inverted team from the way most teams run. Their best receivers are inside. So the problem is if you, you know, if you – you, you can get in real matchup problems with Gronkowski, particularly in the red zone, because you got a linebacker on him, and then he splits. He starts in tight, in a you know sort of a running formation, and then he moves outside to the outside. We've never had a guy who can go out there with him and and cover him. And that my argument would be, you know, Sean Davis or Shazier. I'm not sure they have the man-to-man skills to to be able to stay with a guy like Gronkowski. Whereas Burns, I think that's the one skill that he has that's really outlier right now. I don't know. I mean, you're right. He probably will stay outside, but I would sure like to not get in a situation where we get out schemed, and you know they have their their two best receivers with our worst cover guys. Like that that to me is a problem that almost everybody runs into with New England that you you can't follow. Yeah, you got to remember he's a rookie though. I don't think they're gonna greatly change his role week to week and mess with him mentally. They want him to be confident in doing one thing right now this year, and that's going to be, you know, sit, go on the outside, you know, run fast, cover the fast guy, and and any any other things like that. I think that's what they prepared Sean Davis for. Robert Golden should be back by then. That's a role that he's filled the last couple of years. 
I, I would suspect those two guys would be your, your primary culprits on Gronkowski. Yeah, I just remember Gronkowski splitting out wide and, you know, having like our third string linebacker covering him one-on-one in space. You know, that's like when you know that that's a good time to call timeout. <laughs> if you're, if you're I more remember him splitting out wide and nobody going out to cover him and him just walking in and catching touchdown passes. Yeah, also bad, right? Um, Burns, by the way, guys, leads the Pittsburgh Steelers in pass breakups in 2016. I don't know if you knew that. Um, with with four, which is not like you know five a game or anything, but still pretty good. Um, so let's move on to this. You know, talk about this week's matchup for a minute while we have Perch. Perch, I, I'm, I'm gonna say, I usually, you know, every every year on the schedule, you look at some teams that the Steelers just don't seem to be themselves against that team. You know, the Ravens, I think is is one. Um, you know, one time since Ben has been quarterback, have we really looked like our normal personality for the rest of the year in the Ravens games? No, 2007 when they were bad, um, but otherwise. We sort of get sucked into a certain game with them. I would say Philadelphia sort of falls on that list now. Um, the Oakland Raiders have always given the Steelers trouble. And it just seems like the New York Jets, and probably because of their front, um, are one of those teams. However, I don't think the Jets are that good this year. I think their defensive line and front is outstanding. I think the rest of that team is not so good, especially uh, missing Decker. Could it be that our fears about this matchup with the Jets are overblown, or are you feeling more conservative about it? Yeah, I mean, to me, looking at the Jets, there's one way the Jets can win this game, and there's one unit on the Jets that scares you. It's that defensive line. If those four guys stop the run and harass Ben or get after Ben and put some licks on him or hurt Ben, the Jets can win the game. Otherwise, there's no way the Jets are going to win the game. I mean, the, if you look at what the Jets do in offense with Fitzpatrick, it's dink and dunk. He either dumps it off to the running backs, Forte or, or Powell, and then he's got the, the slot receiver, uh, Inuwa, who catches all the passes. Everything he's trying to throw deep this year, you know, much like last week, uh, you got a quarterback who, who can't complete anything down the field, with, even with Decker, and I think Decker's out for this game, and Brandon Marshall. He's completing less than 50% of his passes downfield. He's just been awful. He's thrown nine interceptions the past two weeks. Um, you know, Matt Forte is a really good running back. The Jets' offensive line's okay. He's not going to run on the Steelers. The only way the Jets are scoring points is on defense. I think the Steelers, you know, even though they've got a beat-up offensive line, they've got a week to prepare for it, and they look at it. And, you know, the Jets' secondary with Revis kind of coming back down to earth in his old age and has an injury, and they've got some other injuries back there, I don't think that their pass defense is all that great. You give Todd Haley a week, he ought to be able to come up with some schematic ways to help protect his quarterback. And whether it's maybe, you know, every ball comes out of Ben's hands within two or three seconds, and that's the game plan. And, or, you know, he's dumping some stuff to get Le'Veon Bell involved in the passing game with David Harris trying to cover him, which he can't. Uh, there's ways that he's going to have to go to about attacking the Jets. If he basically can keep Ben clean, there's really no way I, I could see the Jets coming out and winning this game. I mean, they've got one elite unit. It's that defensive line. And the Steelers have a week to put, figure out a way to not get their quarterback killed. Right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm with you, but on the other hand, I can easily envision a scenario where their defensive line dominates the game, and that's FC. My, you know, if we if we do what we usually do with the New York Jets, which is try to run it against them, and and you know, uh, 
prove that we can run it with some effectiveness and then not really build off of that into play action passing, which is kind of what we've done the last couple of times we played them. I mean, how do we, do we send, do we send, uh, do we bombard Todd Haley with emails, uh, you know, exalting him not to, exhorting him not to uh, run into the teeth of this defense? What do we have to do? You're going to have to run the ball some. You're going to, it's just, you're going to have to slow down the pass rush. I pretty much agree with just about everything Perch said. Um, the Jets are really backed up too. Eric Decker's out with a rotator cuff. Ryan Clady is going to play, but his shoulder's a mess. That's their starting left tackle. Matt Forte hasn't finished a game yet this year. He has knee and rib injuries. Brandon Marshall is going to play, but his foot's bad. You know, Darrell, Re- Darrell Revis, you know, come back to Pittsburgh. Everybody knows he's going to play, but how effective is he going to be with the bad hammy? Um, they're starting guard. Brian Waters looks like he's out. He had a fucking seizure on the sidelines from a concussion. So we'll get to see what the NFL is all about with player safety this week, if he's even able to come close to the field. Um, I think the Steelers are going to max protect more than they have. Uh, the Steelers ends are going to have to do a better job uh, in pass pro with their chips. Um, the Steelers running backs do a phenomenal job. With, uh, with their chips in the running game, I was very disappointed in all three tight ends, including David Johnson, Jesse James, um, and Grimble. Uh, they did a poor job chipping. They didn't even really, a couple times, even they like basically didn't even want to get in the way where you got to slow down that rush a little bit. Um, I don't think they have an answer for, you know, AB. And if you have to double AB, then you're going to be playing games with, you know, Samak Coates who can run a little bit on the outside. Marcus Wheaton, you know, made plays, Jesse James. This, the key will be giving Ben some time. We're not going to have to give him seven seconds where Ben can, you know, run around, you know, fucking do his craziness back there. But, you know, four or five seconds, if, if, if the Steelers can give Ben a clean pocket, they can give him somewhere to step up into, I think he'll make plays with the ball. Um, my concern is anybody here a weather report? For good old lovely Pittsburgh. I know. Yeah, it's going to be pretty nice, actually. It's going to be like 60s yeah. uh, and, and sunny when I saw That's it. actually to the Steelers' advantage, I think, a lot in this game. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's tough to call. Um, Brian Fitzpatrick really has regressed this year. He definitely, definitely misses Decker. Um, and I was I, – I'm, I'm a big <laughs> – big fan of Brandon Marshall, but man, does he look off. He just doesn't look right to me himself. I think he might, some people said he's playing with a broken foot. Wouldn't shock me. It's just, he's a tough guy. You know, he's really batshit crazy, literally batshit crazy. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes those guys, you just, they won't, you know, back down. They'll play. If they feel they can walk, they can break it into a jog. Give me the needle. I can play. And as much as you admire that, it's just I question now if it might be coming a little bit at the expense of the team because he really wasn't effective. Um, the Jets have two massive tight ends in uh, Brandon Bostic and Kellen Davis. They don't scare me. I mean, I, 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 my, my main concern last week was what happens when they get Kelsey on Vince Williams in coverage. And, well, Vince Williams showed you the famous thing. I don't run a fast 40-yard time 
you put give somebody a ball and you have me chase them, all of a sudden I become a four five five guy. And he 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 looked like he was shot off a cannon several times last weekend. Man, he ran down Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware literally ran four three at his pro day. So yes, he did. I you know that is the famous thing where I don't run fast unless I'm running for somebody or running away from someone. Just say if the cops are chasing you. Exactly. Uh, I didn't want to say that because, well, yeah. you know, this Talib, was Talib, not politically uh, correct. I keep Talib's mom would be after you. Um, hey, uh, Perch, I, you got to go here in just a minute. So well, let's skip ahead for a second for you. Um, how do you see this game working out? What do you think is going to happen? I think the Steelers take a little bit more of a cautious approach on offense, just, uh, you know, to get the ball out of Ben's hands as quick as possible. I think that the running game is probably going to be an exercise in futility to some point where, you know, they're going to have a hard time getting their running back through the hole. Uh, but I do think that they will, uh, you know, be able to dink and dunk their way down the field. I think the Jets will gamble a little bit and maybe leave Sammy Coates solo cover to, to roll coverage to A.B. or maybe leave Revis on A.B. one-on-one. Either scenario, I think the Steelers bust some more chunk plays, some 20, 40-yard plays downfield. I just don't see Fitzpatrick in that offense doing anything, really, against the Steelers. Not that our defense is great. I just, you know, he's been nine interceptions the last two weeks, looks horrible, can't throw the ball downfield. Other than throwing to his slot receiver, has done next to nothing all year. Um, you know, I think the Steelers, you know, conservative game probably won't be lighting up for 30 this week. I'd put the Steelers something like, I don't know, 24 to 13, somewhere in that range. Hello. Oh, sorry. I, you know, did you mute yourself? I muted myself, but uh, ah, sorry. I'm sorry about that, Perch. <laughs> I muted myself. At any rate, Perch can't hear me anymore. But uh, thanks for joining us. But I, I know you were tight on time, and also uh, apparently it's going to be a, a, a struggle to get perch back again but we will uh we will soon hey fc now that we lost perch um we're gonna have his uh stand in for a second we have a question from mr greek steel uh in toronto are are you not still uh hung over from partying for 30 hours straight after the other night no no i'm ready for this one <laughs> okay you uh you were not at the game were you for the the blue jays game i i was very close to going i had uh had to give those tickets up uh, very regrettably, good good game. You guys watched it, I guess, huh? Oh my, I'm a Blue Jays are my second favorite team. I know that like, we hate we hate people that say that. Yeah, I met a bunch of kids from Toronto, and uh, I just phenomenal phenomenal young men. So I started, you know, becoming a little bit of a Blue Jays fan about three years ago. And yeah, Kevin Pillar is probably one of my favorite players. Major League uh, Baseball. How can you not like Edwin Encarcion with the one arm up when he does his home run thing? This is a phenomenal team. Here he's the Perry. Yeah, and plus you get we got uh, Russell Martin Liriano for the Pittsburgh connection. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Josh Donaldson, Aaron Sanchez. How do, how, do guys feel, how, do guys, how do you guys feel about uh, Joey Bats? You guys hate him? I love him. He's a former Pirate. He's sorry. He's actually a Pittsburgh connection exactly. too. He was. Yep. Well, Robinson Diaz. Robinson Diaz we traded him for. Is there going to be any incident between him and Odor this afternoon? Probably not in the playoffs, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. No, neither would I. <laughs> well, 
the uh, I, I would like to just keep talking baseball if you guys really wanted to, but because like, I'm not Phil Kesselway and it's the only cop. But no. oh, there you go, there you go, there you go. Congrats. <laughs> oh, so wait, are you guys you you guys are with me though that Phil Kessel's tweet during the uh, uh, Canada Cup or whatever they call it these days World that was Cup. that was awesome, not bad, right? Oh, I thought it was great. I think it was a pure like I could see like like that's like a Mark Messier type thing. And, 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 and before anyone says, that's just, it's just like, you're pathetic. United States, you're fucking pathetic. You have better players that you didn't select because of politics. You're pathetic. And that's, it was true. But Canada, it's, it's their game. I mean, let's stop bullshitting. It's their game. They rule. They do. It's like American football. I mean, I'm, I, no, no offense to the CFL, but fucking yeah. Canadian hockey players rule, man. Their John third Tartarello. team can, like, should, their third team should probably could rule any other country. Yeah, second team so we're sending out Boy Devereaux. You know, it's just like <laughs> the second team almost did. I mean, it was close. Yeah. They had a shot. Anyway, um, uh, so Greek, let's talk about your Pittsburgh Steelers for a second. First time we get to talk to you this year. What's your what's your uh, your take? This week, uh, my take is the Jets are. When I think back at history, Steelers Jets, those are always tight games. So. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I mean, I like them at home coming off a big win. Hopefully there's no letdown there. Yeah, I would like to think that, you know, the leadership on the team can say, you know, what happened in Philadelphia is what happens when you start taking yourself too seriously or you you let down, you let up. Is it a let down or a let up? That's a real good question. Um, but, but you know, against Kansas City, if you play, if we play that same way, we can beat any team like that. Would be my argument if I were a leader on that team. But anyway, uh, I guess it could happen. FC, how much do you think history plays into this in terms of the thing I was talking about, where we always seem to struggle with the Jets front? See, uh, it's not it's not the Ryan voice, Ryan, this defense, and I I, I like Todd Bowles, and he runs a three four. But Todd Bowles is he blitzes, but it's I don't know. I really don't because I thought about it and I was like, I kind of agree, kind of disagree. It's like there's really – I don't have a, too big of a book on Todd Bowles. I, I watched the Jets play a, a few times last year. I was impressed with him. And then you have to like what he did in Arizona before that. But the, the, I guess I'm going to – after I watch him, you know, this week and see what they attempt to do, it's injuries. Is it, both teams are – they could be depleted with injuries. I mean, like, basically the Jets could be missing two offensive linemen, basically, with Waters. I think Clady's going to play, but I, I really question if he's going to make it through the entire game. And obviously, the Steel, for those who don't know, the Steelers just announced that Chris Hubbard's going to start at right tackle. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. else is going to be the same. Pouncey at center, DeCasher at right guard, Bell on the way by left tackle, Ramon Foster at right guard. And uh, they just announced that, uh, according to CBS Sports, that uh, Chris Hubbard's going to start at right tackle. That's kind of the Jewish practice. Wait, hang on a second. You, Finney is not going to play? Foster is going to play? Yeah. Now, yeah, this makes I, – I, I, I don't mind Foster playing. I'm just confused as to why we're going to have our, you know, one of our top, say, six or seven offensive linemen sitting on the bench while we have the, the, the worst offensive linemen we have on the roster starting. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I understand. I'm just, you know, 
I remember <laughs> complaining about Kedrick Vincent being on the bench for a long time, <laughs> you know, and he starts one year, had a phenomenal year, and goes on to start in the NFL for three or four more years. I have no, I have no, no answer for you. And yeah. uh, and here's a question: uh, Who's the backup? We we have one backup healthy. Right, I think they're going to bring the kid off that's terrible from Bloomsburg, Feigler, I believe his name is, off yeah. the practice squad. Okay, but wait, if you do that, I'm sorry, Greek, you get away from your question, but, <laughs> but if you but if you do that, who you who who do you cut? Who do I think they're going to cut? Yeah, they, they just brought back uh, Jordan Phillips. Maybe they'll cut Richardson. No, no, I'm, yeah, no. They cut Richardson already. He's gone. Right, he's on the practice squad. You're right. What yeah. player are they going to cut off the? Ooh, that's Steven, Steven Johnson. Steven Johnson, maybe. Yeah. Or, or, they may, or they make a move with one of the guys who's who's injured and put him on IR and just bite the bullet. But that's right. what I'm bringing up. Feeler has a has a consequence to it, for sure. I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky and Ryan Harris could play in an emergency or something. Right. Uh, at any rate, sorry, I got away from your question, but um, uh, or my question, I should say, uh, about uh, you know this game. Like I, you know, I understand they've all been close games, and I that makes me want to predict a close game. But I think the Jets were, I think they're twenty sixth in off or defense and twenty eighth on offense, and not and they're not talking about yardage totals. I'm talking about DVOA that takes into account who they played and, you know, situations in the game or whatever. And that to me sounds about right, watching what they've done so far this year and who they did it against. Um, you know, really the only decent team that they looked good against was Buffalo. And, you know, even in that game, it ended up being sort of, you know, a, a coin toss towards the end. I, I'm I'm just wondering how the Steelers can be held way below their average, even though we don't, we have some issues with that team. And even though we have injuries, so this is, this is my sort of broader question. Um, and yet the odds makers made us a touchdown favorite. Yeah, the whole the whole thing smells. You know, it smells like it kind of smells like a Blue Jay, uh, Blue Jay, uh, a Steeler blowout to me. When I look at that line, not to not to turn this into a betting thing, but it looks like it, they want people to take the Jets. Uh, they, actually, what, what generally what. Uh, they want is as much action as possible yes. on both sides. Yes. That is collective egg. But yeah, the Jeremy, I mean, to they, the every, a lot of times. Right. I'm sorry, guys. That common football guy that's looking at that, don't you think he thinks, wow, that's a lot of points? Sure. I Especially mean, whenever you heard all week the Steelers are missing so many, uh, uh, so many offensive linemen, how they have so many injuries. Right. Right. Yeah, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the thing is, you can sort of negate. Uh, the 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 problem of having Hubbard at tackle, if you have quick set passing game primarily, it, the problem you get into is like this is what I'm saying. If if you try to win in the run game with with uh, with him trying to block a guy like Richardson, that to me is a problem. That's why that's why I say over reliant. You got to run some to slow him down, but I would say over reliance on that, especially early in the game, to set the tone. Uh, that frightens me more because I just feel like you're you're. It doesn't take you know, our tight ends are going to struggle to block their their big guys. You know their line, and and Hubbard is going to struggle to block in the run game. So it sort of puts you up against the ropes a little bit. And my apologies. Did you guys mention what the weather like? Is there going to be uh, effects of the hurricane there, or is it good weather? No, the forecast right now is 
sunny in, in the low 60s, cooler than it has been. It's been in the 70s, mid 70s this whole week. Like is when they were first talking about the forecast uh, a couple of days ago, they were mentioning that there, you know, there might be some hurricane effect. And it was just depressing because the most beautiful, glorious Pittsburgh weather ever, like it's never like this. This this there's like a week or two the whole year where they have nice weather. This is it, right? Um, and uh, this, it was you know what be- my weather forecast is for tomorrow. Yeah, bad. 100 to 140 mile per hour winds. <laughs> it really is. I'm like, fuck wow. me. I was like, well, let's see. I got uh, one ounce, two ounce, half ounce, <laughs> two and a half ounces. Lazy boy. You're Water. You have all your supplies. I'm good. No, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm like ready to like fucking hunker down for like a month. Right. Right. Well, um, Greek, the real reason Greeks wanted to come on is because he wants a prediction for the Blue Jays Rangers. And I'll, I'll go first. I haven't followed baseball. Uh, like I, I used to be a diehard, uh, I mean, to the point of ridiculousness. Um, but that's, you know, I had to give up a little bit of something to keep my life going the last few years. Uh, but I do know this. I my that, t- was that code for you got married? So, no, it's just work and you know life. But, <laughs> oh, but um, okay, you know the thing is, it's like hey, I I I, I I'm completely uh, my time is you know, so much of my free time taken up by football, uh, both both playing it and doing the show and following the Steelers, and then on top of that, you know I'm a reasonably good hockey fan, especially when the team is good. So the last couple of years doesn't leave a whole lot of space, right? Not even I haven't really watched very much college football even. At any rate, these are my first world problems. But I do know this, the five-game series, this is tricky because I think if you put the Blue Jays against the Rangers in a seven-game series, I like Toronto in that series in the seven-gamer. In a five-gamer, you know, all it takes is sort of like, you know, one game where you where you uh, have a letdown from your your uh, your win in the wild card and it gives it gives that other team they have home field and the fact that they're coming in hot and rested and all lined up for you. So to me, Texas, their flaws that might be exposed in a long series, five game series, I think favors them. So unfortunately, I I think the Rangers probably eke out the series. Not my turn. Fuck him. I take Estrada tonight. <laughs> I take Sanchez. Stroman comes back. I say I say take the Blue Jays. And uh, the reason I'll say it is both teams can bat outside. I am not a believer in Cole Hamels, and I am absolutely I, – I like you, Darvish. But after that, Texas ain't got no pitching. And the back end of their bullpen is shitty. And Ozuna at 22, I don't think he realizes how big of spots he will be put in. He just, like, was just, like, flinging the fucking ball on uh against uh so i mean 22 years old he's too young to realize like how big of a moment this is and then you have jason grillia also at the back end of that bullpen at like 40 i just uh in toronto they just they really deserve it i love believe me i mean i'm rooting for toronto like i i like them i don't know if you noticed fc osuna got hurt in that game eh we don't know if uh we're gonna he did yeah what was it a blister or didn't they say no, it's a it's a shoulder thing, but he oh, said he felt yeah. a slight stretch. He's they're they're not even saying if he's available tonight. He may be, he may not be. Really, nails. Do you see that they arrested that guy that threw the thing on the field? 
Well, they they put out this guy's picture. Like he's everywhere. He's murderer number one, and apparently it may not be him. They're saying there's word that it may have been a uh, some girl there. Well, he okay, yeah, because he they're like throwing some like media in. guy under the bus. Well, he yeah, like that, his yeah, name and him. shit. Pagan. Yep. He, he that's today's world. Post. That's today's world, right? With social media, you get a picture of wow, man, guys are on this guy. Like they've ruined this guy's life, whether he did it or right. not. Did yeah. they learn from Bartman? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he turned himself in. I would like to say. So uh, Bartman did. This guy's at. I, I don't know if this guy did it or not. This dude's like looking. He like, did, but it's not good enough. We gotta lynch this guy. <laughs> you know yeah, what? If I was a Toronto fan, at the end of the day, I was like, well. He's by any means necessary. I'd buy him a beer, but, but that's look, just the way I roll. Look, look, <laughs> Sorry. Look at it this way, man. The guy's punished enough by being a probably probably being a uh, a Toronto hockey fan. So right. you know he's, Whoa, he has to suffer low, low blow, low <laughs> blow. Yeah, Phil Kessel says hi. By the way, <laughs> um, the uh, so Austin Matthews says what's up. <laughs> <laughs> the um. You know, the thing is, all this talk about the Toronto-Texas series, San Francisco's winning the whole thing, man. It doesn't really matter. Madison Baumgartner. They're going wow. to tr- trot out Baumgartner for games three and seven for the next two series. And, and you know. How bad do you got to feel for Syndergaard? He like, had like ten fucking strikeouts through five. They wouldn't. They just, The Mets just really couldn't. I was just like, wow, this is a shame. It was, so far, both baseball was... games. I'm not a big baseball fan. I, I would say both baseball games have been great. I also happen to win ten bucks off him. Thank you, DraftKings. You guys know Syndergaard was a Blue Jay, huh? I do. Uh, R. A. Dickey, like wow. Yeah, that's the deal. Well, I, which was just remember, word? you guys got Jose Bautista for nothing. We basically waved his ass. So Encarn- Encarnacion for nothing too. Right. He was a throwing in a Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland right. trade throwing. Well, at any rate, Texas or, or yes, Cincinnati, yes, sir. <laughs> Well, at any rate, since I think we've alienated all of our football audience. Um, no, we haven't. Sorry, boys. <laughs> only the only the non-Canadian ones. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it's that's okay. So, Greg, don't be the least bit sorry. Give me a score prediction for uh, for Sunday. I'm gonna go with uh, Steelers twenty-seven, Jets fourteen. Twenty-seven, fourteen from the Great White okay. North. Thank you. Now go, go. Uh, I think you need to commence your drinking because the game is not that far off. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Take it easy, boys. Okay, that was great. Hey, um, FC, let's let's uh, uh, just quickly um, uh, round the league. We're we're through the quarter pole. We said at the first week of the season, the first podcast, that uh, after four weeks or so of the season, that we'd uh, reevaluate who we think what we think about the way that the uh, the team set up. Um, sure. What are you thinking now for your – at the end of the year, who were the best four or five teams? End of the year, best four or five teams? Uh, well, um, hmm. just thinking through this because I don't want to second guess. Remember, we said the end of the year. I think that – I'm just basically going to pick who I think could be the two teams that play in the NFC Championship and the two teams that play in the AFC Championship. I think I'll go with New England and Pittsburgh. In the AFC, um, with New England, you got to give Belichick his due. I understand he's only one with Brady, blah, 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 blah. I think he's, what, 13-7 and seven 
14 and 7 now with quarterbacks in New England that start higher than Tom Brady. You gotta remember, he won with Matt Castle. Uh, so I'll go with Pittsburgh in New England in the AFC. And in the NFC, I will go with it's so hard. Um, I love what Zimmer has done, but I can't pick them. Um, I'm going to go with Green Bay and, wow, I would have said Arizona, but I think they're in big trouble. So I'll go with Green Bay and hold my nose and think in Carolina. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny is I – at the beginning, before the season started, everybody wanted to talk about how all they had all these great teams, all these contenders in the NFC, and uh, none of them really looked great. That you know, Dallas and Philly look as good as anybody in the league, but they it's do. hard. I think Jay, right now, I'd say Jason Garrett's coach, coach of the year, and I really struggle to say that because of the jobs that Mike Zimmer and uh, Bill Belichick have done. You know, with Belichick winning with three different quarterbacks already, and, uh, you know, Zimmer just lost your starting quarterback. Okay. I'm sorry, we just, we, just got a call. we just got a call here from uh, a, a D, a initial D. Peterson from Philadelphia area. He, <laughs> he wants to talk with you for a second. He took Doug a Peterson in, inherited team. a very, very, very talented team. And I think he's a good coach. I'm not taking – and you got to remember, is probably one of the only three people – you know, out in, that are from the state of Pennsylvania that thought that Carson Wentz is going to be worth a fuck, you and I. Um, you know, it's hard for me to say, but I just look, you know, inherited Fletcher Cox, you know. And, and people like to pick out and, and say, you know, oh, you know, Carner Barwin this, Carner Barwin that. Carner Barwin's a freaky, freaky cat that's really performed well in the, so far in his NFL career. I would love to have him wearing, you know, black and gold at the Steelers. Um, yeah, I mean, he was one of those... He was one of those Waldo uh, outliers for edge rusher that I, you know, so I'm familiar with him for a long time. And even though he was right. raw, wasn't really ready to be that player when he came out of college, he's pretty good now. And Butch Jones at Cincinnati. The, the, the great thing about Butch Jones, and he's now at Tennessee, is he takes absolutely no shit from college players. He takes none. He was the coach in Cincinnati. He had absolutely no problems suspending Barwin. He had absolutely no problems suspending Travis Kelsey, and then he, after he heard what Travis Kelsey did, hey, I'm growing pot, but I'm going to dime out everybody that I sell pot to, including former teammates, get them in trouble with the law. Butch Jones put his ass off the team, basically. He's just like, no. <laughs> and understand, this is not for growing the pot, kid. This yeah. is for diming out your teammates. You know what's you funny know? about that? Now, I, I, just, I, I was reading some kind of a survey. Apparently, Travis Kelsey is like the – in the top five, uh, quote unquote, best teammates, voted best teammates in the NFL. And so I don't find it hard to believe. I think that he probably learned his lesson, you know, at a young age in college. And I, it, it takes a long time to get back from what he did. And it, and it really wasn't, you know, overly publicized because the media didn't feel it was red meat. You know, it wasn't a, a nasty enough story. You know, it was a feel good story. So we don't want to cover that. You know, at that time, we would much rather cover. You know, is Ben Roethlisberger out raping bitches, you know, and bullshit like that, you know? I I have a big problem with the media, even this week. Um, I, I just, they just feel so entitled to know everything. And at what point does a coach get to keep things in-house? You know, this is family business. That's something I like about Tomlin, you know, family business. We're going to keep 
stuff inside the locker room. It's none of your business. And as a fan, I'm a fanatic. I love my Steelers. But there's stuff I don't need to know. It's none of my business. No, but however, there's stuff it's nice to know after the fact. Like, okay, this week, uh, Jim Rutherford of the uh, the Penguins, you know, wrote, wrote an article for, uh, I don't know how much anybody listening has seen the website. Um, what is the name of that? Do you know? Um, where the, where, no, it's where, no, it's where uh, ath- athletes and uh, Players yeah, Tribune. It's called Players Tribune. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, you have it right. Yeah. No problem. And that, you know, so he was just, the thing is, there was some inside information in the article about about Trevor Daly and about some of the other players, uh, you know, Phil Kessel, so on and so forth. Stuff that nothing was nothing was revealed on there that was really damaging, but it was just the kind of stuff that you're talking about where this is, you know, stuff that you don't really get to hear about very often. And when we have our fantasy hard knocks with the Steelers where we might actually get to learn something, of course, you're not learning anything from hard knocks, really. But, you know, to be a fly on the wall for one season would be amazing. And, it, you know, since the 70s, nobody really lets anybody in. And you know what I mean? Like in the 70s, there were a rash of books where George Plimpton and three big, sh- you know, one brick shy of a load or three big shy of a load, you know, where guys were really allowed access and therefore understood, you know, they gave you the inside story about these teams, but it doesn't work like that anymore. Oh, absolutely not. Do you think of it? Um, I, I, I listened to uh, Dick Emberg, who a lot of people love and a lot of people hate. But when I close my eyes and I think of network NFL football, Dick Emberg's the voice I hear because he just covered the, you know, the AFC for so long. And, he, yep. you know, and if, if, if I think of Steelers football, I hear Jack Fleming and Mark Hope. Don't get me wrong. But um, Dick Emberg said that he sat down with Bill Cowher in the 95 Super Bowl and Bill Cowher told him, I'm thinking about coming out naked on sides. And if we don't do it in the first half, I promise you we're going to do it in the second half. And Bill Cowher trusted Dick Emberg enough to share that information with him. And I was just like, wow. That tells you something about Dick Emberg, you know, the type of cat, the type of trust, you know, that and a lot of times you don't see that in today's media. You know, they don't want to build the relationships and build the trust. And it's just they want access given to them. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I feel fans have the right to know about a lot of things. But, for an example, any University of Pittsburgh fan, um, Jordan Whitehead is a free safety, he's an excellent football player. He's a sophomore, and he was benched. He didn't get to play against Marshall. And everybody in Pittsburgh wants to know why. And Pat Narduzzi isn't letting them know. And the media is, they're, they're just roasting Pat Narduzzi for this. And basically the way I feel is, go fuck yourself, media. This is a college kid, and this is something that he wants to keep in house. Maybe the kid did, got in some trouble with the law that's no one's business, and he doesn't want to embarrass him. These things, you know, get attached to you for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Najee Davenport, Dookie. And I'm not saying, you know, he shit in someone's <laughs> closet 20 years ago, but no matter what Najee Davenport ever does, he can find the cure for cancer. And the first thing I'm going to think of is Najee Davenport taking his shit in some uh, girl's closet. Yeah, well, here's the thing. You know, the, the, we can, you're the person that they're trying to protect that information from. <laughs> right. <laughs> like Tlaib, uh, uh, keep Tlaib's mom, you know, with the gun. Right. Well, we will never let it die. As long as we will. Um, yeah, well, I, I was just uh, getting back to my question about the, the top teams. I mean, 
Oh, in the AFC or in the NFC, I would. Uh, bah, 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 I believe I told you I will take yeah. uh, Carolina. And, okay. Yeah, yeah, but but I, you know, I just feel like uh, it's funny, but the three teams playing, you know, three really raw either rookies, raw rookies, or almost raw rookies. The uh, Denver, Philadelphia, and and uh, and uh, I forgot who the third one was. Uh, somebody else with the Dallas. Starting one, oh, yeah, uh, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. That's what I'm saying. Dallas, Dallas, Philly, and Denver. I mean, I don't think you can count out any of those teams to make a little noise. I don't know that I can see uh, any of them as presently constructed going all the way, winning the Super Bowl in year one. But I do think you could see them certainly, you know, having a playoff win or two. Um, so those are those are definitely interesting things to watch. I, I mean. I'll give you a I'll give you a team that I don't think is a top five team in the league. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl, but I think they're a whole lot better than people think they are. And that is the St. Louis Rams or the Los Angeles Rams, excuse me. Dated right. myself. Um uh, the Rams, I, I'll tell you what, that quarterback played as bad as you can play in week one of the season. <laughs> but in the preseason and in the game since week one, he's been actually really good. Like I I would put him you know, in the middle, clearly in the middle, maybe even towards the top of the middle, bottom, you know, 10 to 15 in the NFL right now. And it's like, if that's all they really need on that team, they've got kind of everything else. Um, they're, they're, the you know, they're playing a running back that I don't think right this very moment, I don't know exactly what's going on with him, but Gurley has been a huge disappointment from them. Uh, and yet they're three and one. And their their quarterback that nobody wanted off the street is um, you know playing pretty good football. I just kind of feel like as the year goes on, there's a chance that they can kind of uh, tweak their team a little bit and end up being, you know, they could they could sneak their way into the playoffs. I think even which is considering where they were last year is amazing. And you know their coach does them really no favors. That guy's you know. Jeff Fisher is a prick. Um, that we're talking about the St. Louis Rams at this point should. Really speak volumes of how disappointing that the Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals have been. You know, um, you know, uh, you had Richard Sherman, you know, talking about this is, you know, a Hall of Fame defense, and then Cortez Kennedy very eloquently put it, well, actually, you guys even in the top three all-time Seattle Seahawks defense, <laughs> and he's right, and. Uh, uh, it's I give the Rams a ton of credit. They're, and the funny thing is, the Rams are winning with uh, Ron Earhart, Bill Cowher, up to Mike Malarkey game plan, where they're just keeping it simple. You know, giving the quarterback two to three options. You know, quick reads, moving the pocket. Yeah. You know, uh, they got. You know, I'm not too surprised. I looked at Todd Gurley and I didn't see a future NFL star. I I, I see him play every single college game, and he's. He was a man among boys in the NFL. He's a good back. He's a very good back. But his skill set doesn't necessarily translate very well to the next level. He's not a back that made people miss. You know, he was a back that completely outran people or he ran them over. You're not going to run over many NFL safeties. And there's a lot of NFL linebackers who can actually run with Todd Gurley, you know, post the injury, even before the knee injury. So... But I, I like think that, I feel like that that team, if they let go of their preconceived idea that Gurley, because he's this high pick, it needs to you know be the bell cow and fed the ball. 
the more carries they give to Benny Cunningham or more snaps because he's he's pretty good in the pass game too. I think that that improves that team greatly. Like that that to me, they could take a big step on offense with that. But how much respect, warranted or unwarranted, do you believe that Ty Gurley gets by being on the football field for the Rams? Does that automatically you know pull you out of cover too? Are you automatically putting a safety up in the box? If the answer is yes, are you still doing that for Benny Cunningham? And that's that's I'm the proof will be in the pudding. You know, if Gurley continues to struggle, then the teams are gonna back the you know, the eighth man out of the box and they're and the Rams are gonna see cover two and you're gonna see very the, the Rams offense probably this implode even more than it has because they're not an offensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. No, but what, I was, what I was just about to say, though, was, I mean, first of all, to answer your question or the thing you just posed, to me, Benny Cunningham is a guy that's going to pick up, you know, four yards, five yards, you know, three yards over and over again, which that that's the kind of guy you almost need to bring the safety down for more than a guy who is, you know, hit or miss. And you, you might have to work, play back a little bit so that he doesn't burn you for, for 50 yards. Um, so, you know, on one, on one hand, some of those, like the difference is if you're, if you're facing Jerome Bettis, you're really going to try to pack it in. If you're facing Willie Parker, you might not want to have everybody up on the line. You know what I mean? I do. Um, but, but, uh, the other thing is that the Rams, basically they, they shut down the Seahawks offense and the Cardinals offense and they, and they won in a shootout over Tampa Bay. Like I, I'm just, I, I'm only saying, I look at the, I look at what they've done and I look at who they have on the schedule coming up. And I just feel like, um, you know, that's a, a little sleeper team that, you know, we've spent way too much time talking about them compared to how good I think they actually are. But, you know, they're they're not, they're leading that division right now that has two teams that were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders, and they beat both of them already. So right. we shall see. At any rate, I just wanted to add that little bit. Um, our pick segment or our Around the NFL segment brought to you as usual by Eco's Bail Bonds, uh, Little Baby Jesus, Joe Boo, the Toronto Blue Jays got it through the bottle onto the field in Permanis. <laughs> oh, by the way, one last baseball question. Which managing decision was worse? Uh, not using the best relief pitcher in baseball for an entire game that you lost. That's a one and done game. Or pulling your pitcher who's, you know, been dominating and, uh, you know, pulling him after seven innings. Because I, I thought both those decisions were bad. Um, there's like a book during the regular season where you uh, you don't put uh, your closer in until you have the lead on the road, and that would explain why uh, Buck Showalter, who I'm not a really big fan of as a baseball manager, but I actually got to meet in person, and what a he's just a magnanimous, just he's just awesome, just a great human being. You can tell that he loves baseball and he loves his guys. I didn't agree with the decision. There's no way that I pull Syndergaard. So I'd fire Terry Collins over that. <laughs> well, the other thing, the other thing wasn't just it wasn't just that Show Walter didn't use Britain because he was saving him for a save situation, but you know he he played his infield in without walking Encarnacion. Like that's the other thing that was like what? Because you know uh, if you're going to do that, if you're going to leave your guy in who hasn't looked all that sharp, I don't know. It's just, it's just sort of, uh, as he pointed out to me, uh, Jimenez owns Bautista too. So, at any rate, I'm not sure Jimenez owned anybody that night. He, you could just tell from the first two pitches that he threw in the game that it was not happening for him. So, at any rate, hindsight, we all have it. 
Uh, moving on to this week's game against Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jets. It's a four-star matchup, but only because the Steelers are in it. The Jets were supposed to be good. I'm, I'm not I'm not super convinced. I'll, I'll go first. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know whether to look at this analytically or to look at this like uh, emotionally or what. I feel like from an emotional standpoint, there's a possibility of a letdown. And, and it does seem like the Jets are a team that we seem to play a certain style of football against that keeps it close. Um, maybe that keep it close thing, we're really going to test that mantra this week because I think on one hand, the offensive mentality this year and you know ramping up towards the end of last year has been really much more attack-oriented. Um, but, you, you know, there's, there's still that sort of a question as to whether they can overcome that play at close mentality. But I just think the Jets have so many holes uh, that I find it hard to believe that the, the, the team that scored 40 and probably could have scored 50 last week against a team that I would say, I, I think the, the Kansas City, the better team than the Jets at all levels of their football team. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's not quite the big blowout of last week, because a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. But I would say that uh, I think it's a mistake to think that this this year's Steeler team, even with a backup's backup uh, at, at, on the offensive line, to to imagine that that team with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell is going to score less than 30 against a team that's not as good as the team that they could have scored 50 against in better weather conditions this week in theory. I think the Steelers put up 31, even in a game where they play it sort of close to the vest, short passing game and running, um, take a couple of shots, so on and so forth. Um, I seriously doubt that the Jets make it through the game without a couple of turnovers. So you put that all together, and even with some garbage scoring, that's still a 31-13 Steelers game to me. I just feel like this defense, we keep we keep underestimating how many points they're going to give up. And we keep over underestimating, uh, we keep overestimating the amount of points the Steelers are going to give up. We underestimate how much they're going to score. And with the exception of that week in Philadelphia, that's looking more and more like an outlier against a good team. Uh, I'll take the Steelers 31 13. Very solid. Well, um, I was pretty close last week. Um, 34 16, uh, Steelers. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, Le'Veon Bell actually has a bigger game than a lot of people are thinking he's going to. Um, just from contributions he can make in the passing game, and that's what makes the Steelers' offense special, different. Uh, you know, whenever this the Steelers are still going to show you split backs with uh, Bell and D'Angelo Williams, they showed it a couple times where. Uh, and they're going to run West Coast looks out of it, and uh, Antonio Brown can't be checked, you know, in uh, the old school Jerry Rice type role, where, you know, he has you know three routes to, to, to basically run off the looks, and uh, you know, to go a double move, and uh, a quick slant, and I just I don't think the Steelers can be you know checked. Uh, my concerns are uh, Coates and Wheaton securing the ball, holding on to the ball. But those, until they prove it, you know, they, you know, show they can make plays week in, week out. I'm going to continue to have those issues. Um, I think the Steelers, if uh, Darius Hayward Bay doesn't play, I think that actually could be a small, it could be a pretty big loss for the Steelers. But 
with the way Sammy Coates has shown he's willing to stock block and he can block, you know, that's that's the key for the Sears is, uh, is blocking and tackling. And uh, I have a feeling they have the tackling thing covered now. And uh, I, think this, I think Todd Haley will go into max protect at times if he has to. And, you know, we may have three-man routes, but we're going to give Ben the time to make enough plays. And I just don't believe the Jets can make a ton of plays in the passing game. So and you're not yeah. going to run the ball on the Steelers. So I'll think with 31-16. Nice. I, I, um, the other thing is, if the weather is nice, I how, the Steelers have been playing in crappy weather all year. I think we had three rain games now. Um, so it kind of feels like it would be, you know, sort of such a relief to, you know, it's like we have our big three back and uh, the weather is nice. It just feels like a day where, um, you know, maybe, maybe there could be some real offense without having to feel like it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, restricted a little bit, even though they didn't look that restricted, it still doesn't help to have, to have nasty weather. So maybe we'll get lucky and have some nice weather. Uh, anyway, Final thought for you? Uh, everyone that's uh, on the Atlantic coast, be safe. I'm 140 miles inland, so you don't got to worry about my fat ass. But, you know, be safe. If, and if you got to evacuate, disevacuate. It's not worth your life. And if you have pets, bring them with you. Don't be a fucking scumbag. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good advice about pets especially. But I'm telling you, man, even 140 miles inland, you know, oh, know. Uh, the, the high winds are no joke, man. They're saying that this is gonna be this could be ten times stronger than Hurricane Hugo, and Hurricane Hugo actually like wrecked everything around where I'm at right now. So we're being you know if we even if it even looks like it's like turning that way, I got a big SUV and uh, we're packing it up and I'm heading for the fucking mountains. I'm going back to Western PA to be a hillbilly. So. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, um, I'm sure you'll fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> Go visit Hard Nosed. Yes. <laughs> All right, man. What's up? <laughs> thanks for thanks for thanks for joining on behalf of uh, Steel Perch and FC and uh, Steel Fury and all the gang there. Everybody, stay safe from this uh, this storm. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and I'll talk to you after a gigantic Steelers victory on Sunday. Go get them, Steelers. <laughs>